You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Remember this episode and every episode of Socks in the Basement brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. Go visit them at FamilyDry.com. See everything that they have to offer. They're going to take care of seepage, water in the basement, your sump pumps, your window wells. They're going to help you get the leaves out of your gutter. You got concrete going in all kinds of different directions on your sidewalks and driveways around the house. That's an issue with your foundation. That's a water issue. They can help you with that before it gets worse. Mention Socks in the Basement, you get money off. Give them a call 24-7-708-330-4466. On the phone line with me right now, uh, you know him as an accomplished writer, uh, analyst, a uh, guy who's in the finals for Socks Math like multiple times. And he's on the line with us once again. He's a good friend of the show from Socks on 35th, Jordan Lazowski on the line. How are you, Jordan? You know, still recovering a little bit from that. Uh, another Stocksmith Finals losses. I keep getting to the finals. Can't uh, can't get to the championship. So uh, can't can't hoist that trophy just yet. I got to keep playing. Yeah, I'm starting to question whether or not Panetti has uh, uh, fixed this. Like, it, it, did you do something? You take him off in some way? Uh, have you guys had some sort of a tiff that nobody's aware of? I made a joke with him. I'm like, you're not getting rid of me until I finally win one of these things. You know that, right? And <laughs> kind of laughed it off, but it. I'm coming back until I win the whole thing. Good for you. All right, so it didn't end the way we wanted it to. There's uh, good things that we saw this season. There's issues that we saw this season. There's so many stories you guys are covering over at Sox on 35th. You're like one of my favorite sites to go to. And I I went to it today in anticipation of us talking. And there's so much White Sox news coming out. You got Yasmani Grandal had another uh, knee surgery. Tommy John for Evan Marshall. Like, it's interesting. Like, these things come out right after a season ends, really with any sports team in any sport. What are you focusing on right now? You know, the big focus for me is, as weird as it sounds, still absorbing information from the Sox season and, and comparing it to what we're seeing in the playoffs right now. It's still that period of, you know, you're still aggravated. You're still heartbroken after seeing them just get completely demolished in game four on the home field. And it's like, all right, take a little break from White Sox action, watch some other teams play the game, and really start to, from an analyst blogger perspective, look at those differences. Like, what are teams that are still deep in the playoffs doing the White Sox didn't do? And you can point to a few things. And, And then there's like, as you watch these games, what are the smaller things you can pick out? And that's where you start to provide a little bit more detail to what's going on. And like you said, some of the news pieces that are coming out, it's all useful information for me personally. I'm still looking at, you know, what went wrong? What can they fix as they head into next year? Because we don't want to be doing this again next year and watching somebody else celebrate on the home field. No. So what do you think went wrong? I mean, there's a lot of theories out there. We've talked about it as well, but if you can pick a couple of things that you're seeing other teams do, that you're like, this might have been the reason why this team was out again in the first round of the postseason. What are the things that you're noticing that you need to see the White Sox do better or differently? It it starts with the pitching staff. And you have seen the Atlanta Braves really be one of the only teams who has really gotten a lot out of their pitching staff in, in the postseason. 
You know, the Dodgers have faced injuries. Houston's now playing without McCullers. And, and, and you're seeing teams that, as a whole, the White Sox included, have really struggled with starting pitching. The Sox have built their team on the starters. None of them performed in the playoffs. Not a single one came out and gave them more than four innings. And, and that's problem number one. But it gets a little bit deeper than that. Because you watch Houston. Houston's up 3-2 on the Red Sox right now. And they don't have Lance McCullers. The Dodgers still hanging in there. Kershaw's not available in the postseason. And they've had a hole all season, given that they signed Trevor Bauer. And Trevor Bauer, because of his own stupidity, can't be on the field. So now you had that hole, and you had an unexpected one with Kershaw. And even like a game last night or two nights ago with the Braves and the Dodgers where Drew Smiley becomes a, a big piece out of relief and they started Jesse Chavez as an opener. Those sorts of decisions say, okay, teams are doing fine even when their pitchers don't succeed. So what's that next layer? And that next layer for the White Sox is the first 20 hits of the ALDS for the White Sox were all singles. And you're seeing the Red Sox homer their way. And the Astros Find the gaps. Work good counts. These teams are doing things that don't involve a swing first, put the ball in play approach. So what do we change? Do we change do we change the way we're coaching these players? Do we have to change the personnel? That's that's the uh, million dollar championship question right there, honestly. Because if you if you change coaching staff, and, and let's just say Menokino gets the bad rap for his F the home run hit three hundred quote about Andrew Bond. You look at the White Sox, so even pre-Manichino on the south side, we're still a heavy ground ball hitting team. So yes, he might have exacerbated the issue, but there's still an underlying one there. And the foundation of this lineup, a lot of the players between Anderson and Robert and Jimenez kind of do the same thing at the plate. They're all swing happy, and as a result, it's very easy for them to slump in a very consistent way, you know. Eloy, sliders on the outside of the plate, roll over on him for a month and a half. It, it goes, it, it starts with your managerial, not, I, I guess your entire coaching staff, your, your managerial decisions on who to put on the coaching staff and things like that. It goes beyond that to say, what kind of players do we have in the lineup? Everyone focuses on it being so right-handed heavy, but you can be right-handed heavy if you have good approaches at the plate. So that begs the question, do you start to manipulate the roster, make some trades, get a different view of the entire personnel in general? Let me ask you about Andrew Vaughn. I'm curious what your, your opinion is. It's become a popular thing where people have been questioning, do you, do you trade Andrew Vaughn, or is he one of these pieces that you move when you're trying to reconstruct your team? And the thing that I immediately say is, look, I'm not going to say yes or no to that question. I'd have to see what the end result was. But it is a guy who was a very high draft choice that we expected to be a really big part of the team for its long-term future that never got an opportunity to work his way through the minor leagues and develop. So he's still developing at the major league level. So you don't really know what you have yet with him because the assumption is he's going to get better and he's not going to be a platoon guy, which is what he had to be at the back end of the season when you ran out of time to develop him and it was time to just put your best lineup on the field. What are your thoughts on him? I like Andrew Vaughn as ball player. I struggle to, and let's just add this as well. I think his positional versatility makes him immensely more valuable than he might have been coming into the season. We found that he can play an adequate left field, and in a pinch, he can play right field. That being said, assuming Jose Abreu has a lifetime contract with this team, which I think is a fair assumption, you, you have Abreu, 
Rundahl, Jimenez, and Vaughn serving very similar roles in that DH first base type clump of just big guys playing the field. You, you have to find a way, and it kind of starts with evaluating. First, let's start with the incumbent, Jose Abreu. How long is he going to be with this team? And then move from there. Your next choice is Vaughn. So the point being, I like Andrew Vaughn a lot. But if you're talking about the construction of this team, between him and, oddly enough, Jimenez, those are two guys that the White Sox should probably dangle out there and see what the return might be. If you can get an Andrew Vaughn-type player who bats left-handed and plays a above average right field that fits your roster better long-term than Andrew Vaughn himself It's trying to recreate the player in a different form that still gives you the same value Andrew Vaughn would have. Let's uh, let's talk real quick about the Nick Madrigal and the situation at second base. He's never coming back. You, You made the move. It's over. The guy at second base right now, Hernandez isn't the answer. Do you think that's the biggest thing? I mean, do you think that is the, the biggest goal this offseason is to figure out your second base, or is it your pitching, or is it your right field? I, like as, as Jordan Lazowski starts to look at the postseason now, going into the offseason, and this team, knowing there's got to be a little bit of change in, in personnel, that you may need to be less one-dimensional, that you have to find different guys that complement each other. What is the number one thing that you think they got to go out and work on? What's the, the main goal the first thing that you would love to see them go do? I'd like to find a long-term solution to right field, honestly. I really would. Because everyone wants to say, oh, Yoki Sessis is the answer. He didn't hit too good in double-A this year, so we're at least a year or two out from him. Oscar Colas is the answer. Well, we've never seen him play stateside. I, that's just another big question mark. If these guys come up and become contributors, great. That's a great problem to have. I think, in my personal opinion, some of the drop-off between some of the best and some of the worst players in the outfield and, and right field in particular here is a lot greater than the drop-off between your, your best and your worst second baseman. Because you've got your top-tier talents at second base. Altuve, Semyon's a great example. who's probably shifting back over to shortstop. But, but those are your top-tier guys. And after that, it kind of just all folds into a big mess of average to below average. I, I think the White Sox do a disservice to themselves by making Luis Robert their really only long-term solution in the outfield because you don't know what Jimenez is. Is he a DH long-term? We don't know. So uh, a longer-term solution in right field would be great. If Cespedes becomes a stud, if Colas becomes a stud, great. Guess what? That's called trade bait. And you finally have some of that, so you don't feel like you have to make a Nick Madrigal trade at the trade deadline. You can trade somebody else who you haven't even seen play at the major league level. Like Building that sort of depth is not a bad thing. And if the White Sox can start to do that, I would prefer it to start with a long-term solution in right field. Jordan Lazowski is with Sox on 35th. You can check him out at SoxOn35th.com, and I like sitting around and talking with him. He sometimes brings a different perspective than what I have, and that's what makes Sox in the Basement so much fun, that we get to sit around and we get to talk about this, and I'm looking forward to an offseason where the only thing that is going to upset me, Jordan, is if they don't do anything. I think that's one thing that would upset all of us. If they sat there and said, we're just coming back next year, we're going to do better, I'd be pulling my hair out. I think the worst thing they could try and do is say, we're going to run it back with this core again and see what happens when they're healthy. Because you've seen what happens when they're healthy. They're going to get blown out by good teams in the playoffs. 
You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. And now check out the new 2,500 milligram balm with reduced pricing on their classic balms right now at creakybone.com. So I kicked off the show with Jordan Lazowski uh, instead of putting him in the middle segment, Ed, because he brought up some really interesting stuff that I kind of want to dive into here for the rest of Socks yeah, in the basement. Yeah, I, I, I agree with it. I agree with it. it you know, it's, it's good for me to sit back and just drink more beer while you're talking to Jordan. Right, right. Just sit back, relax, strap it down, and and get what he had to say. Plus, you know, over the last couple of episodes, we've spent some time really diving into stats and specific positions and specific pitchers and what do you like and what do you don't like. and Diagnosing the problems, yeah. Yeah, trying to dissect everything that's, that, that was going on and to get somebody else's perspective that's also processing it separately from us over at Saxon 35th and taking his view of it. And Jordan's a pretty smart guy, especially like analyzing statistics and trying to figure out like little tendencies. And he's the guy who banged the drum all year long publicly when Yasmani Grandal could not get a base hit that he was very valuable to that offense because he got on base. And he was proven right, especially when Grandal comes back from the injury in the back half of the season and goes off. So he's a, he's a smart guy. But one of the things that he brought up that I want to get your take on that I want to kind of dive into a little bit more is this idea of offseason moves and changing the makeup of the lineup. As we said at the end of the show, the worst thing they could do, and Jordan and I seem to be in agreement on it, and you probably are too, the worst thing they can do is come back and say, we're going to try it again, but with everybody healthy, which is never a guarantee. And we're just going to do the same thing and, and hope it works out again. And he wants to see some changes in the roster construction. So that would mean probably not just free agent signings, but actual trades where guys that you care about are leaving. What do you think about that? Well, I, I, I'm in agreement with you guys. And, and you know, the definition of, in, well, one of the definitions of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And if you really think about it with this team, it's not just repeating 2021. You're also repeating the truncated season of 2020. We just can't parse the stats in 2020 because it was such a small sample size but this is basically in a lot of ways the same team from a position player standpoint that went up against the A's in the expanded playoffs in 2020 that went up against the Astros in 2021 and if you expect that same lineup to go through and be different or better in 2022 yeah you're going to be disappointed in some ways because it's it's just not it's not constructed in a way that you need it to be constructed where you're going to have the kind of success in a, in a short series that the Sox need to have to get past the first round of the playoffs. Right. And as Jordan pointed out, he sat there and he said, look, you've got a lot of guys that do all the same thing and you don't have a lot of complimentary guys that do things that are different. So if if one guy's slumping, there's six guys slumping and you would only be going into the postseason and just hoping 
that your team was all hot at the exact same time. And that's not a way to plan for a season that you only get one season per year and you go through 162 games before you even get to the playoffs and you don't know what that roller coaster is going to be like and what you have left when you make it to a postseason. Because there's always something. Every team has issues, as it was pointed out. Every team in the postseason still alive right now has had things that have popped up, but they've been able to overcome it because of the, the, for lack of a better term, diversity of how their roster is constructed, their lineup, their pitching staff, all that other stuff. That is what has allowed them to overcome and remain competitive and push further into the postseason. So one of the guys that we brought up is Andrew Vaughn. And if you listen closely to what Jordan's saying, I don't think he's saying trade Andrew Vaughn. And I'm not saying that either. No, I I, I, don't, I don't think that's your knee-jerk reaction. Right, but if you find a guy with Andrew Vaughn's skill set and that can actually do what Andrew Vaughn does, but he can do it at a different position that you have a need at, then that's why you would move a guy like him. And you would do that basically with any player. Forget just the Andrew Vaughn thing. Like, I know Jose Abreu is untouchable to the White Sox organization. He probably, as Jordan says, has a lifetime contract. But forget what the White Sox believe. Who's untouchable to you? Well, like I said in the last show, too, I mean, it's it's all about value. And Jose Abreu just doesn't have any value on the on the marketplace right. because there's a lot of guys like him. I think the only untouchable from a position player standpoint is, I shouldn't say maybe the only untouchable because I think you'd have a hard time replacing Yasmani Grandal. I don't think he's untouchable. But it's Luis Robert. And, and I just think at this point, trading him what you would have to get back would have to be so insanely massive based on his potential that he becomes virtually untradeable because you're never going to you're never going to get the proper value for him but as much as i love Aloy Jimenez he's a right-handed power hitter there's a lot of them out there uh he and Jose Abreu have a very similar makeup i don't think Yohan Moncada really hits enough home runs to be a proper third baseman. I don't see him being untouchable. Tim Anderson would be a tough move. He would be a tough guy to move, but there's see, so I many think good he's untouchable, Ed. I think he's untouchable just because of the the other things, the intangibles he brings to the team, even if he isn't. You know, I mean, you could make arguments that he isn't one of the best shortstops in baseball. If there are other guys that are more productive in certain ways, depending on how they create runs, that defensively maybe better than him. You know, but he he is a guy that I would have a hard time moving because what are you gonna what are you gonna put at shortstop if you do move him? Jordan Lazowski was a guest earlier on this show, of course, and if you have a guest that we've never had on this show before that you think might be worth a thousand dollars in your pocket, do not forget about our off season one thousand dollar guest bounty. The rules are on the mismatch socks blog at socksinthebasement.com. Essentially, though, you're going to give us a guest. We'll even help you book that guest, but you have to have the contact. If you help us get the guest on the show, you are eligible for the best guest of the offseason with the finals voted upon by Socks in the Basement listeners. If you win, you get $1,000. It's all from Elite Benefits of America. Butch Zemar at Elite Benefits wants to help your small, mid, or large size company with health insurance. Premiums through the roof. It is currently time to actually take a look at that. Make your business the employer of choice. Keep your best employees. Take care of the people that take care of you and do it at a lower rate. Save yourself money, your company money, your employees money. It costs you nothing to get on the phone with Butch. 
Take a look, learn all about him at EliteBenefits.net or give Butch Zemar a call right now at 708-535-3006. I don't think they would trade Tim Anderson, but I think you could get a godfather offer for a guy like him where a team would look at him and go, the things that he brings to the field beyond just what he can do as far as you know contending for a batting title, things like that, are such that we would we would absolutely give the White Sox something huge. But I, rather than call him an untouchable, I will just say that he's in that like that tier right below untouchable of damn near impossible to get the proper value for, and and you wouldn't trade him for a number of huge reasons. Hey, Sox fans, in the southwest suburbs, Davern's Tavern and Lounge in Justice, Illinois, has something for everyone. Located at 8527 West 79th Street, they have this large back party room to host an event for up to 150 people. They have a massive outdoor beer garden, horseshoes, cornhole. In fact, they host the Midwest largest blind draw bags tournament every Monday night with a major and minor league. All skill levels are welcome to Man Cave Mondays and live music with DJs on the weekends. Chicago Bears fans, there's free food during all Bears games, and Daverns is a White Sox bar. During Sox games at Daverns, $2.50 Miller Lite bottles, $2.00 UV bombs, $12.00 pizzas, 8527 West 79th Street. Learn more at DavernsTavern.com. Andrew Vaughn, yeah, if you can find him as a second baseman, uh, you, you might pull that trigger, right? If you could find Yohan Moncada as a right fielder, you might pull that trigger. That's what I'm I'm kind of getting at, and I think you, you and I are thinking very similarly here. Grandal, you really got to find yourself another catcher that's going to make up for the fact that you've moved on from Yasmani Grandal. And I think the same is said for Tim Anderson. And Abreu, like we've talked about and we talked about on last show, yeah, he's going into his final year, but one, I don't think the White Sox are ever moving on from him. As long as he wants to play on the south side, he's going to get to play on the south side. And and two, he still has an awful lot of value, and he's not something that teams are really going to go out and give you enough to make up for what you're losing in Jose Abreu and what he means to your team. So then you get back to these other names that were 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 kicking around, and again, I I don't think anybody could give me enough to give up a Luis Robert, who I think is a future Hall of Famer that we're just starting to see the beginning of something that's just going to get better and better and better. It's like having Mike Trout, and you you're not giving him away early on to try to change around your team. That's that's what I think. But then here are the names. Jimenez, Vaughn, Mancada, Sheets, who's a good left-handed bat. You know, they're not all at the same level. They all have their own deficiencies and their own their own things that make them good. But if you're looking at position players, I would think those four names are guys that you may see moved in a deal. And if and I wouldn't be surprised in any way if at least one of them was dealt this offseason to try to fix some things on this team. And, and so I would think that they're the short list. You, am I leaving somebody off? Did I put somebody on I shouldn't? No, I don't think so because I, <clears throat> if you're talking about guys being too similar and in the pecking order of guys that you could move there, you could get a lot for Aloy Jimenez. I think so. You could so. probably get quite a, quite a bit for Andrew Vaughn or Yohan Moncada. I think the Sox would be probably less best served trading Gavin Sheets unless they're getting a left-handed power hitter back in in that as part of that deal. 
but you know, I don't think there's a whole lot of value to Adam Engel. Um, you know, there's not there's not a lot of depth there. We're you know we're really not going to talk about who's in the minors. And yeah, you could trade. You could trade Jake Berger for somebody, probably. Yeah, but Jake Berger also could be the like. Here's the thing: Jake Berger could be the guy that replaces Yohan Moncada right. after. That's the trade. one of the. That's exactly what I was going to get to. One of the guys that I think is a real possibility to be traded this offseason is a guy that we talked about in the middle of the season when I brought up based upon his performance and what he was doing. He's becoming the kind of guy that I wouldn't be surprised that they move because of the way that he kind of disappears for a while, because of the way that it seems like he's not 100% motivated every time that he's out there, that it seems like once they got a lead and they weren't playing for anything, one of the first guys that starts going up there having, you know, less than 100% effort at bats was Yoan Mancada, and that if the team saw the same thing that I was perceiving, he'd be the kind of guy that it, they would they might shop this offseason, especially with the fact that Berger in his limited action showed that there was a possibility that he could actually bring you something. And moving a Moncada, you wouldn't def- you wouldn't have to necessarily find a new third baseman. You could move a Moncada for somebody who's going to give you similar output but can play a really good defensive right field or is a really good second baseman. You can you can make a big change by moving on from him that I don't think would really harm your team and there might be teams that are interested in him, especially if you could still sell him on the fact that hey, remember this guy he was a second baseman too. Hey, remember this guy? You know, he's a he's a very athletic guy. You might be able to move him to a bunch of different places, and you don't you don't even need to necessarily use him at third base. I know that he may have some value, and he would he would be one of those guys that like if they said White Sox are, are I'm hearing that they might be moving you on Moncada or they moved you on Moncada, I'd be like, and oh, it stinks that I have his jersey. I hate when that happens that a guy whose jersey I have gets has gets traded, but I wouldn't be shocked in any way, and I'd be excited to see what the return was. Well, and you don't have to sell a guy like Moncada hard, really. You know, that's that's part of it is think about some of the teams that were in the playoffs and that are now out, okay? The Yankees have some interesting questions to answer at shortstop and at third base if they decide to keep Gio Urshela at shortstop, which is where he ended the season. The Brewers sort of rather famously had nothing but second baseman and shortstops around, their, around the horn because they were playing Luis Urias, who kind of started to come around but he's not really a third baseman. And you have other teams that are out there that were on the cusp or on the periphery that might want to take a look at upgrading that third base spot. And Mankata's a good third baseman. He's just maybe not the guy that the White Sox need there. Or he is a guy that, like you said, if you can move him and get back somebody who can play a different role in this lineup – that's what you're looking for. And, and, and really kind of where I would draw a parallel there, really where I would try and draw a parallel there is go back to going into the 2005 season. And and I hate going back always to 2005, but you can't deny the success that they had. They traded Carlos Lee and got back, what, Scott Pesednik and a reliever. He went, why are you trading this guy who could hit 40 home runs for Scott P- Pod? Podsidnik? What's this guy's name? Who's this guy? All I knew was he was a guy who could steal bases. And right. he was he was a leadoff hitter type. And I'm like, that doesn't seem to be the value. Now, going back to the 2005 season, would you rather have Carlos Lee in left field? Or do you want Scotty Pods at the top of that lineup doing what he did for the 2005 team? Really, even you know some of the other teams that he was on after that with the Sox. I, I, I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a huge name. Maybe it's just a guy that fills another hole and 
fills another role in the lineup and brings something different. And I think that's that's something that could happen too, where you could take a Moncada and say, hey, look, we could use another look out of the bullpen, or we could use, talked about maybe, you know, looking at starting pitching too. If you traded Yohan Moncada and got back a starting pitcher who does the things that we were talking about the starting pitching needing to do, which is, give a different look, have more than one pitch, you know, or two pitches that you can go to and not just be a fastball slider guy or, or, or you know, how, however you want to, you know, kind of dice that. If that's what you bring back, that's, that can be a good thing too. And really, frankly, the reason why I would, I would say Moncada might be at the top of that list too is honestly, there's two guys that you could potentially see the White Sox trying out as his replacement. One is Jake Berger and the other one is, don't forget that Andrew Vaughn spent some time at third base. Yes, I I have not forgotten that in any way, and I'm sure the White Sox have thought to themselves, do we think that that's something that could be a possibility as well? And I think the thing that people have to understand here, and I think this is going to be the hardest thing for some White Sox fans to wrap their head around, uh, because I'm, I guarantee there are people listening to this who are just angry at us for even suggesting the idea of trading guys that we picked up in this rebuild that are supposed to be part of the core of this team. And now all of a sudden we're like, trade this guy. Like we're crazy. Like, well, you got, you just don't blow your, we're not blowing the team up. What you're trying to do is reconstruct the team in a way that would actually be able to perform better when it got into the postseason. What you did was first you had to put together a team that from top to bottom was a competitive team that you could field for years and that you had control of so that you had the flexibility to make whatever moves you needed to and to tinker. The rebuild ended and you got your first iteration of this team. You got your first look at what the White Sox are going to be now moving forward. Okay, there's no more building here. We're not trading for prospects. But now you get to the point where, okay, I now have a competitive team. I can see all the contracts in front of me. I can see how long these guys are going to last in front of me. I can plan out long-term in front of me. And I can also say short-term, I want to do A, B, and C. And now I can I can change that team into the image that it needs to be changed into. Because the idea that you were just going to go out and find nine guys throughout the rebuild, and those nine guys were going to stay together for 10 years, and they were going to be the perfect match for your team to go out and win multiple championships, that is a real stretch. Like that, 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 that is a pretty unrealistic thing to look for. So we're just at the next stage now where now when you take this team and put it up against the best in the postseason and you see your deficiencies, now you have to fix those deficiencies. You're not blowing it up. You're adjusting to the deficiencies that your team came up with. That when these guys who are prospects got up here, the little things that either work for them or don't work for them, you can now see it. And now you have to make moves and changes to be able to get over the hump to the next level. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.